This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, September 6th, 2020. On this day in 1901, Anarchist Leon Shalgosh shot President William McKinley at the Pan American Exposition in Buffalo, New York. Eight days later, President McKinley died of his wounds. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the assassination of United States President William McKinley. Now let's go back to September 6, 1901, to Buffalo, New York. It was almost 4 p.m., and the spirits were high in the crowd outside the Temple of Music. Thousands of people had come from across the country to see the wonders of the Pan American Exposition. There was the beautiful Fountain of Abundance, the excitement of the Trip to the Moon amusement ride, and the millions of brand-new, dazzling electric lights that illuminated the fair. But for those lucky enough to get inside, the event scheduled for September 6th was the highlight of the six-month-long exposition. President McKinley would be hosting a public meet-and-greet with his citizens. Near the front of the throng, 28-year-old Leon Shalgosh sweated in the summer heat, waiting for his chance for a handshake. He favored his right hand, which he'd wrapped in a stark white handkerchief. Those surrounding him in the crowd must have assumed he was using it to mop sweat from his brow on the warm September day. But hidden inside was a 32 caliber revolver. A cheer went up as the doors opened, allowing the first few people into the temple. Leon's heart skipped a beat as he observed the cadre of men in black suits posted around the building. The president's security detail, made up of Secret Service agents, Buffalo police, and U.S. soldiers, was much larger than the anarchist had expected. But as Leon would later tell authorities, it was in my heart, there was no escape for me. All those people seemed bowing to the great ruler. I made up my mind to kill that ruler. The would-be assassin steeled himself as he drew closer to the president. The security team was observing the crowd, but they seemed to be paying little heed to the citizens in the president's immediate vicinity. That was lucky. Leon knew if they suspected his motives, they'd kill him immediately. Finally, at 4.07 p.m., a Secret Service officer waved Leon forward. President McKinley smiled as he held out a hand to the slender, sweating young man. But instead of reaching back, 
Leon slapped the president's arm away and raised his handkerchief-wrapped hand into the air. He fired two shots at the president from point-blank range. The first hit a coat button on President McKinley's jacket and ricocheted, grazing his chest. The second hit home in the president's abdomen, piercing his stomach. As Leon readied himself to fire a third shot, he suddenly felt himself swept off his feet. James Parker, a black railroad porter who had stood behind him in line, tackled the anarchist and brought him to the ground. As bystanders helped President McKinley to a nearby chair, Secret Service agents and soldiers piled onto Leon, punching and kicking. Leon spit blood through his teeth before declaring, I done my duty. McKinley, meanwhile, gasped out a ragged, be easy with him, boys. He knew he might be dying, but that didn't mean his assassin should be murdered too. He should face the law. Things should be dealt with the right way, the wise, compassionate way. That's when McKinley thought of his wife. As a crimson stain blossomed on his crisp white vest, the president turned to his personal secretary, George B. Cortellu. He whispered, my wife, be careful how you tell her. Oh, be careful. Up next, the impact of Leon Shalgosh's attack. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. 
On September 6, 1901, the name Leon Shalgosh was catapulted into infamy when the anarchists shot President William McKinley in front of a crowd of hundreds. But Shalgosh didn't just succeed in murdering the president, he also ushered in a new status quo for presidential security. When President McKinley arrived in Buffalo in 1901, there was no concrete plan for the president's safety. Though he traveled with members of the Secret Service, they weren't the dedicated security officers we think of today. The Secret Service was created in 1865 as a branch of the Treasury Department to combat the counterfeit bills flooding American wallets. Over the next 45 years, they became a jack-of-all-trades agency. They investigated federal crimes ranging from murder to fraud to gambling. They also acted as the country's first intelligence agency until the FBI was founded in 1908. One of the informal duties the Secret Service handled was security for the president. But there was no organization to this security detail, and it left presidents unprotected. For example, when William McKinley's administration submitted a safety plan to the Pan-American Exposition, it was incredibly vague. It simply stated, the president will receive with such persons as he may designate. No mention of the Secret Service, security protocols, or any specific rules. Protection was fully at the president's discretion. And on a hot day, well, McKinley wouldn't begrudge a few risks, like letting his audience hold handkerchiefs in their hands. They had to mop their brows somehow, even if it meant someone could hide a gun beneath an inconspicuous piece of fabric. McKinley's personal secretary, George B. Cortellew, was agonizingly aware of the gaps in the president's safety, because in the past 50 years, two other presidents had been killed while mingling with the public. On July 2, 1881, assassin Charles Guiteau shot President James A. Garfield while he waited for a train to arrive at the Baltimore and Potomac Station in Washington, D.C. And 16 years earlier, on April 14, 1865, John Wilkes Booth murdered President Abraham Lincoln while he watched a play at the Ford's Theater. In an odd moment of foreshadowing, Lincoln had signed legislation creating the Secret Service that very morning. But it wasn't just previous presidential assassinations that gave George Cortellew pause. During the late 1800s, a growing anarchist movement increasingly favored violence, terrorism, and murder to abolish all states and hierarchies. This practice, sometimes called propaganda by deed, was responsible for the deaths of several state leaders. Just a year before McKinley's death, on July 29, 1900, an anarchist shot and killed King Umberto I of Italy. It was the third time an anarchist had attacked him. With these ghastly events in mind, George Cortellew reportedly tried to persuade McKinley to stay away from crowded public places. He even specifically feared an assassination attempt would happen at the Pan American Expo and removed it from the president's schedule twice. McKinley put it back each time. 
The president hung on to life for eight days after the shooting, until his wounds became gangrenous. And finally, on September 14th, William McKinley died. Leon Shalgosh didn't last much longer. He was given a speedy trial, found guilty of murder, and executed by electric chair on October 29, 1901. But the impact of the two men's fateful meeting lived on. After this presidential assassination, American lawmakers admitted that a presidential protection outfit was essential for the running of the country. In 1902, the Secret Service officially started their highly organized 24-7 security detail on the President of the United States. Over the years, their purview spread to the first family, the vice president, and all major presidential candidates. At campaign events, world summits, and White House Easter egg hunts, the presence of a dozen earpiece-wearing Secret Service agents has become ubiquitous. They've been serving the president now for over 100 years. But it was the power of one lone anarchist and the loss of a president that created the agency as we know it today. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories on extremist politics and the bloody chaos that follows, check out ParCast Original, Dictators. Today in True Crime is a ParCast Original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals, like Today in True Crime, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Molly Quinlan, with writing assistance by Ali Wicker. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.